This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. At long last, welcome to the September 6th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have waited. We've been patient. We have real football tomorrow. We have actual betting opportunities that we can we can taste in front of us. It's going to be a great episode. Of course, back by popular demand. We have Judah's same game parlay segment. We're going to talk live game uh, betting plan as well and of course pick the lock of the week we'll talk a little bit about who's in and who's out this week based on what we know thus far it is going to be a great show let's rock All right, fellas, um, we're back. I don't know if I thought this date would ever come. Somehow it's also uh, showed up very quickly. Like it's been one of those things where every time we talk on a podcast, like, oh my God, is football going to come back? Now it's finally back. It feels like it's been very quick. Um, and a lot has kind of transpired over the last, I would say, couple of days, Brad. Honestly, like who's a lot has crystallized in terms of who's playing, who's, who's not. Um, so we'll, we'll start off uh, getting to that. There, there are probably some new listeners here. For those of you that have been with us for a while, welcome back. Let's dominate another season. For those of you that are new, welcome to the PFF Forecast. Um, this show runs on Wednesday evening and Sunday evening. Sunday, we go live right after Sunday Night Football ends. We set or guess the lines for the upcoming week. It is a great episode. On Wednesdays, we pick our lock of the week, also talk about same-game parlays and other kind of betting opportunities that are out there for the upcoming week. So we hope you join us on both of those. And we hope you join our Discord, the Printing Press Discord. The link is in the description to this video, also on our Twitter bios. And that honestly is probably the best place uh, to make sure you're on top of, of every bet. I am joined by Brad Spielberger and Judah Fortgang, who are much better at this whole betting thing than I am. It is a pleasure uh, to be with both of you once again and to, to get rocking and rolling into this new season. Um, Brad, let's let's start with you and kind of give us a roundup of the, the important ins, outs, and news from the past couple of days. Yeah, so there's two, you know, ones that you've probably heard about, you've probably been tracking for the last couple of days. Those are, you know, two first round fantasy draft picks in Cooper Cup with the Los Angeles Rams, and yesterday the report of Travis Kelsey hyperextending his knee in Kansas City. So for Cup, he is not playing a week one that is now official, and Sean McVay is kind of slow rolled a potential IR stint. I honestly think he is going to find himself on IR and miss the first four games of the season. With Travis Kelsey, we still don't really know. Listed as questionable for week one, obviously 
tomorrow. Uh, so a short you know, turnaround there. But if this means anything, his brother Jason I think was on the radio this morning saying he thinks Travis is going to tough it out and find a way to play. Take that for what you will. Do they really want to trot him out you know, right out of the gate when he is a January player, not an August or September player? But anyway... Those are the two big, you know, massive names, massive potential. I think the two, you know, somewhat more under the radar because they happen today, uh, but still meaningful. The first is Green Bay Packers wide receiver Christian Watson. Obviously, their number one passing target this year. Um, you know, a guy that exploded down the stretch last year. Came up on the injury report today, Wednesday, with, an, with a hamstring injury, which you know has been kind of plaguing the whole NFL, uh, Cooper Cup included, and he was not on the report until today. So they played the Bears on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Um, already probably going to be without Romeo Dobbs, who also tweaked his hamstring at the end of the preseason. Keep an eye on Christian Watson. One last name, the other direction. Uh, Traylon Burks got uh, banged up, I want to say, week two of preseason, was a full participant in practice today. So, you know, again, not quite the same as, as those first three names, but, you know, the number two in Tennessee behind DeAndre Hopkins going up against the Saints. I'm sure we'll talk about that game in a little bit. Um, and he looks like he's going to be a full go for their game also on Sunday. Uh, and then the other guys that we guess we've known about for a while, we know Chris Jones is out. Um, is that I, I like? I think that's basically confirmed. Uh, Chandler Jones is he playing? That's a great question. Uh, obviously, you know the Raiders wouldn't talk about it today. His posts on Instagram yesterday were very interesting. Said he basically can't get access to the facility, uh, whatever that means, and whatever the full story is there. I mean, look, they play against a division opponent in Denver on Sunday. He, as of today, Wednesday, again, you know, he was not there. They said it was all being handled in-house, whatever. He put on Instagram he doesn't want to play for the head coach or the GM anymore. Um, I would lean no, uh, but, you know, he also was not very productive last year. Of course, it is a loss. He's a good football player. But um, I would lean no, but I, I don't know if it's a huge deal. Chris Jones for sure not playing. And then I know you, you thought I had the, the scoop earlier uh, with Nick Bosa. I don't know, but I'll tell you right now, I'd be shocked if Nick Bosa is not fully suited up. And look, maybe a minor snap count against the Steelers, um, but I think he is probably close to full go. If he hasn't been staying in shape, that would be one of the biggest shots. Like Nick Bosa looks like one of those guys that literally wakes up in the morning and it's like he's already done a workout. Like the dude is just so jacked. Um, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be overly worried about that. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I think we'll talk about the Steelers here in a second, but, um, of those, I guess, Judah, we talked a little bit about the Travis Kelsey thing, like which of those mean the most to you? What's your assessment of Kelsey? I think we've seen the line move from six and a half. Some places have had it at four, four and a half, some places at five, five and a half. What do you think kind of the right number is there? By the way, the total is down to 52 and a half. Yeah, uh, I think Kel I think the markets are pricing Kelsey as not in, uh, and I, we we saw the line go from six and a half to four and a half. I don't think. I mean, granted, these points aren't so huge between uh, six and a half and four and a half. I don't think anyone thinks that Kelsey's worth two points uh, to the spread. Mm -hmm. So they're they're obviously pricing in uh, that he's not there. There's probably some betting, you know, here or there, like the way markets traditionally move, even if Kelsey was not hurt. But I do think the market is signaling that Kelsey's not going to play. Uh, I'm not so sure it matters. First off, we certainly have no sample. Like, I don't think Mahomes has played a game without Kelsey. Uh, but I think the team, yeah. maybe one. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the takeaway here is, uh, and this is actually something that uh, posted today on PFF.com uh, about uh, kind of quarterback play in and out of structure and scrambling. And, and the thing with Mahomes is basically until you get like 
you need like 80% of an NFL player, like a replacement level or above. And like, it's not really going to matter for Mahomes because he's so good out of structure that like, if you're extending the play for three seconds when no one's open, uh, it doesn't matter who's running a route in the NFL. Like that guy's going to get open. So I don't think that like, obviously Kelsey's a terrific player, but because of Mahomes' traits and his ability to extend plays and avoid pressure and anticipate pressure, I don't think it really matters who's playing wide receiver for them. Uh, so I'm kind of fading the uh, price move. Uh, I think the Chiefs should still be favored by six and a half points. I got to jump in real quick because this is my favorite tweet in response to Travis Kelsey yesterday. So shout out Daniel Salib, who puts a lot of good contract stuff out there too. The last game Travis Kelsey missed was week 16 of 2021 because of COVID. The Chiefs beat the Steelers 36 to 10. Mahomes was 23 of 30 with 258 passing yards and three touchdowns. The leading receivers for the Chiefs were Byron Pringle and running back Derek Gore. So that kind of puts into context what, what Judah just said. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. – the, the, the Chiefs were down to Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the AFC Championship game, and a bunch of guys I don't even remember who was out there because I hadn't heard of them, uh, and it didn't matter. I, it's just like that's the deal with Mahomes. Uh, so I looked into that game as well, and you know the interesting thing, I was like, oh, immediately I was like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to be fine. Let's, let's hammer the Chiefs here. But the, the reason – I think that tweet – I don't want to say the wrong word here. I don't, I don't mean that it's fraudulent. It's a little misleading. Because it, it doesn't mention the most important name in that equation, which is Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill was not the leading receiver in that game. He only had two catches. But the gravitational pull of Tyreek Hill allows a Byron Pringle. Like, I think Ty, I would rather have Travis Kelsey than Tyreek Hill. But if they didn't have Travis Kelsey and they just had Tyreek Hill, like, I still think that Patrick Holmes would be amazing for all of the reasons that we've just discussed. I do think this is a little bit different. You don't have Tyreek Hill. You don't have Travis Kelsey. Byron Pringle is basically now your number one guy that the defense has to pay attention to. Now, can Mahomes overcome that? Are the Steelers a good defense? Yes. Um, I think this is going to be as – this is as interested I am in watching Mahomes play the quarterback position as I think I've been since he started, like, his NFL career, to be honest with you. Like, I remember my anticipation for Mahomes-Brady – I was lucky enough to be in Gillette for that game. And I was so excited to watch Mahomes play. This, I think, is the most excited I've been because he honestly, like, he has nobody out there. If Mahomes goes out, and I don't think the Lions have a great defense, but if he goes out and drops, like, 35-plus with this, like, right now on pff.com, you go to pff.com slash betting slash NFL power rankings. We have our own power rankings. We have the whole team, and we have the quarterback. For the quarterback, we have Mahomes as seven and a half points better than the uh, replacement level quarterback on an average uh, on a neutral field. We're going to have to move that to like 12 if, if he goes out and dominates with with um, this ragtag group. I, I it, it's tough. I think we'll, we'll talk about this game um, a little bit more once we get to um, to the lock of the week stuff. But um, let's let's go ahead and, and get into uh, the first segment. So we uh, we have a basically like three kinds of things that we do on this Wednesday show. The first one that we're going to go in with is um, the kind of live game betting uh, game plan. I just said game three times, but um, Judah basically live trades games on Sunday. It's a great watch and follow. Um, I, I think you, you stream it live if I'm correct. And uh, it's phenomenal you will learn a ton, even if you don't bet live currently, like it's a great way to, to learn and follow the games. And if you can figure out some angles to bet live, 
before the games start, then you can be prepared to actually capitalize on them. And let me just tell you, like, I'm not sure there's a better way to bet on football if you're trying to make money. Um, pre, pre-flop, it's very, very hard. The lines get beaten into efficiency. Um, so if you're betting on a Sunday morning, like you might as well kiss your money goodbye. Um, but if you come in with a live uh, game plan, you can actually take advantage of, of um, some inefficiencies in the market because it's very hard to price live. Um, so that's why we talk about it. Um, Judah, I hope I, I teed that up um, in a proper way for you, but why don't you take it away? And um, for the first time in the 2023 NFL season, uh, talk about some strategy here. Yeah, yeah, feels so good. Feels so good to be back. Uh, I'll say as a, a general note, um, and we have a couple of spots that, that kind of fit the bill, something to, to monitor betting live. It's like, it's almost a systemic strategy, right? Uh, a lot of times we'll look for, See these systemic strategies, which is like plug and go. It's like when the Chiefs are down, it's like you bet them uh, as underdogs, they're going to come back. Uh, and there are also kind of spots, which is like when you think about how live lines are created, oftentimes they're just a reflection of the initial line, uh, just mm-hmm. updated to whatever time there is. And depending on certain team tendencies, uh, there could be value because like the Eagles offense, let's say, is not the same when they're up by 14 as when they're down by 14. But the initial line is going to kind of build in that price as the Eagles are the same offense. Uh, so those are kind of the categories of bets uh, for some of our, our newer listeners. Uh, that is to say, my first play here is uh, tomorrow night, the Chiefs and Lions. We have two prolific offenses, both of whom were actually much better when trailing than when they were ahead. That makes sense. Teams kind of uh, let off the gas on, from a from an earned drive points perspective. The Chiefs were like earning like 3.2 points uh, when trailing, essentially, they like are getting a field goal every single drive, uh, and and 2.7 around uh, when not. Uh, the the Lions have a similar uh, discrepancy, not not as wide. All of which is to say, like, if one team goes down, we can kind of pretty much bank on like there's going to be some volatility. It's like, well, if the Chiefs go down, we'll be able to get them maybe a plus money. Uh, we can do the same as the kind of pendulum swings. Uh, that sort of live volatility. Uh, especially when you can get both sides at plus money is something I'm, I'm always looking towards. Uh, and with, with such prolific offenses that that can happen a lot. Another one of those spots I'll be monitoring is the uh, chargers and dolphins. Also both prolific offenses. You can score quickly. Uh, the odds can change and there's a lot of noise, but you know, uh, in the early parts of the game set, when you're kind of taking a, a look uh, pre-game are kind of built in to how you'd like simulate. If you simulated a game 10,000 times, a lot of these scenarios are built in already, uh, but it's very difficult to kind of price as you're going along and like riding through that volatility. Uh, those are, those are two spots. I'll, I'll start with those. We, we can talk about some more, uh, but, but definitely something of a, the systemic strategy that I'll be, I'll be looking to, to capitalize on. Yep. I like both of those, but we can dive in more for sure. Just one I'm, I'm kind of monitoring as well. And it ties into an awesome article that Judah just put out uh, that kind of even further made me monitor the situation um, you wrote about. And I'm not going to you know go fully in the weeds here, but about true scrambles and kind of how quarterbacks perform when they do escape the pocket um, and kind of breaking down how, you know, you can, you can define a scramble as escape the pocket, but still throw the football. Um, and in one of your many beautiful charts in here, it has Joe Burrow uh, with the best true scramble pass EPA in the entire NFL uh, by a decent margin last year. Uh, and so what I'm monitoring here is um, the, the price now, we do know Joe Burrow is going to play. Uh, he practiced today, I want to say in full. Um, but I'm curious here, because the Browns never got to a full field goal, they're currently plus 2.5 at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think watching this game, 
either direction. So first, let's say Cincinnati uh, comes in and gets an early lead on a scripted drive, but Joe Burrow doesn't look particularly mobile. The calf is maybe bothering him or looks like it's not great. And you get Browns then, let's say they go, on, they go down 3 nothing, and you get them over a field goal at that point, then maybe you go there. Or, you know, the inverse, even if the Browns do score early and you see some Burrow, you know, you're not really trusting it, but the spread maybe doesn't get to flipping over a field goal in the other direction. Let's say it's Browns minus two and a half. If they go up early and you see a Burrow drive, you don't like what it looks like. Um, I think that coupled with this Browns defense is now built to, I think, play with the lead both on offense and defense with Nick Chubb and also some pass rushers now. So just monitoring his health, his ability to move, um, because as you showed, he, he is an elite, elite passer on the move. If that looks hampered um, with where the price is at in Cleveland, uh, you can maybe capitalize on, on kind of the hooks um, uh, with the number there. It's funny that you mentioned Burrow because I, I want to talk about that game a little bit later in locks of the week. But you look at PFF grade when losing by three or more um, and the three highest graded guys, uh, excluding the one that's been uh, retired now, which is Tom Brady, are Rodgers, Mahomes and Burrow. Um and so we've talked about Mahomes already. And, and I think this is interesting. This is a good note for uh, betters that are out there. We know that the markets are created with macro level uh, modeling. What do we mean by that? That how certain teams perform in situations will get drowned out by how all teams perform in those situations. And, and we've had this confirmed, we've, you know, we've talked spend a lot of time talking to, to traders. They have an incredibly hard job. The, the modelers have an incredibly hard job as well, which is they have to put out a line for every game and every situation. We only have to bet on the ones that we like. So we can focus on unique situational uh, uh, modeling that you couldn't do if you had to run a book, right? Um, and so I, I think taking advantage of, of those is interesting. The Burrow one, I especially like. Um, and I would be very, that, that's one that, that came to mind immediately, Brad, especially because the narrative I think for people will be if Burrow doesn't look great off the bat, he gets sacked a couple of times that, oh, you know, we should have known. And the Browns, everyone's ready to bet on the Browns. I, I love that angle. The other one is actually with Aaron Rodgers in a game where I could very much see everyone's talking about the jets the bills are going to get out and i think be ready to, to blow the doors off and i think the narrative will be oh it's the jets it'll take some time I, it actually wouldn't surprise me if it only took a half uh, or two and, and rogers is not going to want to get embarrassed uh, in week one so so those are our two that um that i liked as well yeah i just i would jump in with a uh, a broader point there on, on kind of pricing uh, in most kind of other sports, I think like the clutch factor or as you're alluding to, like coming back in the fourth quarter, it's just an, it's the same game state. Like in the ninth inning of a baseball game, there's no different thing that's happening, right? The pitcher is still like uh, pitching to the hitter and like nothing tangibly about the game changes and basketball. Like the objective is still to score a point and like the dynamics don't change in football. It's a totally different dynamic in football. It's, a different skill of can you pass when the other team knows you're passing when so much mm. of the game uh, is determined by uh, this like kind of cat and mouse of like, am I running? Am I passing? And like when the other defense knows you're passing, it's a, it's a true skill to be good at that. And it's like, no wonder that these guys are at the top. And when modelers are kind of like 
taking their macro view, they kind of have to average it out, as you're saying. And like that itself is a huge source of value because like we can kind of have more confidence in this clutch factor. It's not a coincidence that Joe Burrow keeps on winning fourth quarter games because it's tied into the fact that like he's good in this particular situation. Uh, I, I love kind of looking at betting on those sorts of quarterbacks and looking at proxies of things like how well do quarterbacks play in obvious passing situations, uh, which can kind of serve as a, a model and guide for, for how they're going to play in the fourth quarter. You reminded me of something that is, I remember studying for the first time because I was looking at um, the results of that after that, the the Falcons uh, Patriots Super Bowl. And this was like, I vividly remember this because PFF at the time, I don't think it ever like tweeted out a graphic. It was always like text-based. And I remember I was like building like some charts and um, we're like, Hey, can we tweet this out? And like, you know, uh, obviously that, you know, we've come a long way since that point, but I was looking at pressure rate by time of game. And I think there's a reason that Rogers, Mahomes, Brady, and Burrow all show up. The pat, the defense also has to play defense in a situation where the other team is always throwing. So if you're always throwing and your quarterback is smart, not only is he going to be paying close attention to how the coverage is, but he's also going to be really trying to get the best of the pass rush. Initially, the pass rush knows you're, you're passing. They can always rush the passer. But you know, just because your first sprint is fast doesn't mean your 40th sprint is going to be fast. And it's a long game. So can you take advantage of that? And I think the smarter quarterbacks have proven that they can. They can mitigate that pass rush over time. And you'll actually see the impact of it decrease over time versus where it, it, at the beginning when people are observing the game and then setting the line you say oh, oh man the, the you know miles garrett's going to dominate this game but the time you get to the fourth quarter that may be a long distant um memory so uh, i say all that you know miles garrett is going to eat joe burrow in, in quarter one and uh, the rest will be history uh okay we're gonna get the same game parlays this is the the segment that everyone tunes in for rightfully so uh we will do so in in just one second um, after I remind all of you that uh, you entered the season in the best shape of your life, you want to exit the season in the best shape of your life. It's, it's a grueling season. You can get into some bad habits. We've got a bunch of, uh, uh, of interesting um, uh, you know, holidays in between now and the end of the season. So I recommend that you go start drinking uh, AG1, Athletic Greens. It is something that um, I have started doing, uh, especially when I'm traveling, because it's very, very hard to get the proper nutrients. It's hard to do that when you're home. It's very, very hard to do it when you're traveling. Um, but if you just sign up for HG1, you can basically kiss all of the planning and prep that you need to do to get those nutrients goodbye, because this one supplement uh, gives you everything that you need to be uh, healthy and fit um, throughout your uh, kind of daily routine, whether you're someone that works out a bunch or someone that doesn't, super, super helpful. Um, keeps you regular, all of those good things. Um, so here's the deal. You can go to, um, let me get the website for you perfectly. It is drinkag1.com slash PFF. And what you can do when you try AG1 is you can get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs. The travel packs, I think, are the best thing uh, that they provide because uh, you don't have to scoop the, the stuff into a bag before you take off on the airplane. Um, so there it is, drinkag1.com slash PFF. Uh, before we get to same game parlays, Judy, you had one more thing that you were going to mention about uh, the live game stuff. Yeah, sure. I guess uh, to kind of 
talk and, and bring for our new lesson, new listeners, uh, sort of like the things I'd pull from or the categories I'd pull from, uh, right. We have like sort of the injury stuff that Brad's talking about. We have this more of systemic strategies. And then there are also like ways in which a team attacks another team, which is like kind of questionable. And one that really pop, jumps to mind and, uh, this this we can watch uh giants and cowboys which is number one there's been a lot of talk over the offseason about like are the cowboys going to run more are they going to pass more uh right we've we've suggested that despite mike mccarthy saying they're going to run them all run the ball more their kind of like revealed preference has actually been the opposite right they signed brandon cooks they let ezekiel elliott walk uh, i want to see kind of how they're passing uh, how much they're passing excuse me uh and like i think that if they're passing towards kind of the upper echelon of team, which they were not doing in the uh, kind of Kellen Moore era, I think this this is completely mispriced. And I'd also add uh, the Giants and Wink Martindale have been the most blitz-heavy team in the NFL, and Dak Prescott has absolutely carved up the blitz uh, in his career. So watching that game and kind of paying attention to, are the Giants blitzing? Uh, is Are the Cowboys kind of picking that up? Are they willing to pass no matter what? And then like if that's all true, we're going to have CeeDee Lamb, you know, on one-on-one coverage with, uh, you know, older Adoree Jackson, who, who I don't think can hang. Uh, but all of which is to say, like, if we see, number one, the Giants continue to blitz and the Cowboys pick it apart, like, there, that's that's obviously the Giants' game plan. They're not going to adjust, I don't think. Uh, and I think that there'll be some value on the spread. And even if not, the blitzing stuff, if the Cowboys are passing uh, at the kind of Bengals, Chiefs, uh, Bucks of last year tier, uh, I think this three and a half is is uh, too short. I also am of the belief that the strength of the Giants is that defensive line. And so I think even if they try to come out and run, I think that could go poorly quickly. Um, and that would be another thing that I would look for is, do they come out, try to establish the run? And, and that doesn't work. Daniel Jones scampers to an early touchdown. And then you've got an opportunity to go, okay, look, we know they're going to pass. We know the tendencies of Wink Martindale. Um, you know, you can get some kind of CeeDee Lamb and, and Dak and Cowboys live, maybe live same-game parlay. Speaking of same-game parlays, um, here's what you need to know. Uh, Judah is the best in the business when it comes to same-game parlays. I'll let you describe um, for the, the new listeners and the ones that have been here for a while your methodology. But I will just say last year, every single week, you publish a piece on pff.com. That piece, over 80%, I think it was 81% ROI if you bet every single SGP. And that doesn't include, that doesn't include the biggest SGP that you hit, which uh, I will let you say what the, what the odds were there. They were insane. Um, if you're a member of the Printing Press Discord, that is one that you were hopefully tailing uh, because uh, we discussed those things ad nauseum in there. Um, and, and you shared it there. So 81% actually doesn't even begin to tell the full like uh, opportunity size that, that I, those have. I, but, I, thought, I thought you were going to go with the, the night before with the uh, Daniel Jones knees, uh, which, which was written. Could up, have been bigger. Uh, it would have been, it would have been bigger. I think, I think it would have been like 156 or something. Uh, yes. I did not include the, I personally hit a, a 340 to one uh, same game parlay. Uh, I mean, that's it's stuff you you don't you don't make up you can't dream of it but uh, somehow it somehow it happens uh, yeah I mean like the the theory here uh, is that I'm like trying to build out a certain story uh, and like how a particular game's going to play out and when you be, when you say something like you know I think the 
Bengals are mispriced because I think Joe Burrow is going to have a good game, right? You can bet on the spread at, okay, in this, in this case, let's say week one, like at two and a half, or you can kind of say like, and that, that introduces a whole bunch of variance because like Joe Burrow can have a good game, but some other thing that you weren't predicting, like there's just a lot happening when you're predicting on, you know, uh, one singular player prop or one singular angle and having that uh, kind of tell the story of the game. Or you can kind of say, let's actually like really build out the story. If I think Joe Burrow is going to uh, be the the reason why the Bengals are covering, like I should probably take his prop. If he's exceeding expectations and that's why the Bengals are covering, I might as well tell that story. And you can kind of just go on and on and on. And sometimes it will be more detailed uh, than just like, let's bet Joe Burrow because I think Joe Burrow is going to have a good game. It's like, okay, uh, we know certain things about zone and man coverages, that man coverage, uh, the targets are more predictable. It's also more of a reflection of the talent on the field. This is something we, we won a couple of same game parlays as, as the base of, especially with the Dolphins last year, where we were basically saying like teams are going to play man coverage. We know the ball is going to go to, to, uh, to, 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 to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. That's what happens in man coverage. And like guys on the, uh, the Ravens secondary when they were banged up and guys on the line secondary just couldn't cover them. Uh, and essentially we said like, if these things happen, like let's play out the rest of the story. If they're going to, uh, you know, dominate man coverage. It means that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be passing for a bunch of yards. It might mean some under rushing yards because they're not going to be run, going to be running so many plays because uh, their passing is going to be so efficient. It also means they're probably winning the game. Uh, and you can kind of see how one thesis, uh, if you just continue to build it out and say, what are the next order effects of this thing happening? Uh, and you can kind of tell a story in a unique way and get very long odds. Uh, and basically there, there's endless creativity uh, and, and endless ways to kind of tell a story of how a game goes. And the same game parlay market's really the only available way to do that. It's like investing in, in a lot of ways, um, looking for a narrative and then, you know, betting that thesis. Uh, and it's also the way to think about um, football, I think, right? You know, math and, and using modeling is really just trying to map these things out, right? We give it features and variables that represent uh, components and, and facets of a team. And then you're trying to put those narratives together. And that's exactly what this is. So it is not your traditional, let me show up to the sports book and bet this pre-packaged same game parlay baloney that uh, often gets fed to you. Here, we're trying to, to actually make it data-driven and therefore find an edge that isn't going to be out there. Because again, and I'll just continue to remind people of this, the sports book is modeling SGPs and all of their other bets on the macro level effects, you know, what they're seeing at a macro level. And here, we're actually taking a, you know, fine tooth comb and finding a unique situation that is going to be a little bit different. So without further ado, let's get into it. You have not published your piece for this week uh, for the main slate. We do have a piece on pff.com right now on Chiefs and Lions. If you're listening to this either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, you can go find that on pff.com with a PFF Plus subscription. Get it now, by the way. Prices go up on Friday, so you want to take advantage of that. Um, and you can go check that out. Your piece, I believe, traditionally drops on Friday, Judah. But because we love the members of the printing press, we give them a little teaser here on this blessed podcast. So um, why don't you get us started and uh, kind of take us through the, the first one that you're thinking about? Yeah, the first one I'm thinking about uh, is Brandon uh, Brandon Ayuk, Brock Purdy, uh, Niners built. 
Uh, we're going back to, to the uh, what works. And, and George, I'm sure this is music to your ears. Uh, Brad, actually, the second one's holding music to yours. Uh, I guess I guess it's uh, unintentional, but but it works. Um, the the thesis here, especially especially if uh, George Kittle is out, is that we're going to have a pretty narrow distribution of touches, uh, and the Steelers play a ton of man coverage, which is good. Number one, because we like to talk about this talent discrepancy, and I don't think Patrick Peterson. Or Levi Wallace is going to be able to hang with Brandon Ayuk, one of the best separators in man coverage. Uh, but also, especially if Kittle's out, the target shares between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are vastly different uh, in man versus zone coverage. In man coverage, uh, Ayuk's earning more of a 30% target share, and Samuel's closer to 20. And that kind of flips uh, when it's a zone-heavy uh, opponent. So I think we're going to see, again, in man coverage, and this is an article that Arjun and I uh, posted on, on PFF.com last summer, uh, man coverage, the targets are predictable. We're going to see plenty of work for Ayuk uh, against a bad secondary. Uh, Brock Purdy's passing prop right now is 200 yards. I think if he hits a couple of deep shots to Ayuk, who is priced at like 46, I saw on DraftKings you can get an alt over uh, 100 yards at about plus 700 on FanDuel. I think that's going wow. to be something closer to like 880. Uh, again, I don't have the, the full prices in front of me. They haven't yet been released, uh, but that's definitely a spot I'll be looking into. But the, the prices are low because Brock Purdy's passing prop is only 200 yards. I think that's giving way too much respect uh, to, to the Steelers' defense and not enough if just the Niners decide they want to pass instead of run. The, uh, this is giving a lot of respect to the Steelers. The big matchup for the Steelers is on the right tackle on the right side of Brock Purdy. Um, against T.J. Watt, right? We don't have a very well-known right tackle, and you obviously know what T.J. Watt can bring. But the secondary, I do think, is a little weak. We've talked about this game a lot, Brad. I'm an impartial, uh, not impartial observer of this game because I'm a Niners fan, which means that I'm both bullish and skittish on this particular matchup. Curious how you feel about it as someone that does not care about the, the teams involved here. Yeah, I should have mentioned the Kittle injury uh, at the top of the show. Um, I there, there wasn't an update today, but I would lean towards him probably not playing in this game based on what I've read so far this week. Um, he's a guy that I think when he is going to play, you kind of get an inkling that he's going to be in the lineup, and it, it hasn't really trended that way. So, yeah, we talked about it in, in the construct of we us thinking Nick Bosa maybe wasn't going to be out there. Look, the Steelers improved their offensive line. Kenny Pickett on the second half of last year. His average time to throw was way too long early on and came down pretty precipitously over the second half of the season as he got a little bit more comfortable. But I think with them, you know, you're, you do have a separator in Deontay Johnson that can get open very quickly, but that is not Pickens' game at all. It's not Allen Robinson's game at all. It's not really Pat Fryermuth's game. You know, he's a tight end, obviously. But, but so it's one guy, and then if you throw Traverius Ward on Deontay Johnson potentially – um, you know, I think it could cause problems. So now that Nick Bosa is going to play against an offensive line that, look, is better, but their weak spots by far are their tackles, right? You have um, probably going to be Dan Moore Jr., maybe Broderick Jones making his NFL debut. Um, and then the right side, Chuck Sakura for, um, you know, ha has not had a good pass rush win rate or I guess, you know, pass block win rate over the last several seasons. So. At this point, I think like it's going to be a very, very low-scoring affair. I think these defensive lines are going to feast. You mentioned Colton McKivitz, or you, you alluded to a player named Colton McKivitz. 
uh, at right tackle for the Niners. I, I think the D-lines are going to be wreaking havoc in this game. It's a stay away for me now. I like Steelers as a teaser like before. I'm now kind of even afraid to take them. And you still can get through eight. It's down to minus two for the Niners, so plus two for the Steelers. Um, but, yeah, at this point, I think it is more of a look into SGPs, you know, look into other builds. I'm not sure it's a game I like to bet on the spread or even in a teaser. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, you can narrative, though. I think before, especially before Kittle, and by the way, you can find these at two and a half um, out there. It's two and a half. Now it's minus 115, um, unfortunately, on the plus side at FanDuel. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any, there's some better odds out there. Uh, I'm sure you can find them. Um, it, you know, Bookmaker has it. Bookmaker has a two and a half minus 110. Um, so, you know, you can, you can find those out there. Um, but I think before you know, the outcome for Kittle. I'm curious, Judah, would you rather bet this before you know whether Kittle's playing or after? Because on the one hand, I think it will improve the odds that you get around, say, you know, an alt line for the Niners. Um, it'll probably move Purdy's, you know, prop down a little bit, but it might move the, the IUK numbers down as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of a wash, honestly. Uh, like we will get worse odds uh for Ayuk if we uh if we know that Kittle's in but I'm I see it as maybe a couple percentage targets the thesis remains the same and honestly like we're talking about the matchup of the right tackle like Debo Samuel is not he's amazing after the catch it's not a great separator uh Ayuk can win quick yeah, the game plan might very well be to like run these seven yard slants to Ayuk to kind of mitigate the pressure and operate the quick game if anything that like further supports it I, I think it's a wash uh to you know considering the uh, Nick in target share, which in, you know, his efficiency might go up with uh, linebackers having to key in on Kittlemore. Uh, I, I'm, yes, the, the price will, will get worse, but I, I think he wins out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, um, I'm going to make you give us one more, uh, as you promised before we do. Um, DraftKings, uh, which I just mentioned. Um, we've had seven months without the NFL, but we're back, and DraftKings is there ready for you. By the way, they've improved uh, their app uh, quite a bit. It's a really cool experience. I'm excited to see what they have for the NFL um, this year. They are an, affor- uh, an official sports winning partner of the NFL, and they're giving you a can't miss offer for week one, as you would expect. Use promo code PFF when you sign up uh, on the DraftKings app. And this is how it works. You bet, uh, sorry, you bet $5 on any NFL game and you get $200 in free bonus bets instantly. So you place the bet for $5, um, you get the $200 in free bets instantly that you can then use. Um, and they're hooking everyone up uh, with this game day greatness. So all customers, that's actually a good point. All customers can take advantage of this. If you're new, um, make sure that you're using promo code PFF uh, when you're signing up. Um, but everyone can take advantage of this. So check out the app and uh, get involved. Download it now. Use promo code PFF when you sign up. New customers take home $200 in free bets, uh, in bonus bets instantly. They've gotten rid of the word free. Um, just for betting five bucks on any game at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Okay, here's the part where I read the absurd and very long disclaimer. I try to make it enjoyable, but here you go. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. That's how you know it's an official site. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. 
Um, I've heard many people also text that late at night in New York. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problems. Call 888-789-7777. They can't help you with the fact that you are in Connecticut. That's your own problem and you will have to deal with it. Or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, as are many things. See dkng.com slash football eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. You can also um, uh, visit, uh, oh, Jesus Lord, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. That's it. Um, I'm done with this. All right, let's move on. Second SGP while I catch my breath. Holy God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, first off, don't understand the Connecticut hatred. I understand New Jersey, but uh, Connecticut, <laughs> that's, that's a low blow. And it's the second, second time we've now done that. It's tough. Um, but yeah, to, to the second SGP, uh, I think it's almost teed up perfectly to how we started off this segment uh, of things that I also and why I love betting this market and things I'm looking for is that there are so many different samples and confounding factors uh, in a game that it's really, really, really difficult to price, especially the tails distributions uh, of games because like we don't know that much. There have only been, you know, in guys' careers, sometimes like let's say Justin Fields, like he's only played like 30 games. Uh, there's not a huge sample. We don't know that much. Uh, that's kind of a prelude to say we don't really know. I'm selling the Bears, but we don't really know what the uh, offense is going to look like. Will he improve as a passer? Are they going to throw way more than they did last year? Uh, and Justin Fields' prop is so, so low for a quarterback in an NFL game. It's 170 yards. Uh, we can get – I saw an alt at uh, 250 at like plus 800 uh, which if we combine with like a DJ more 250 yards is not a lot. Even if you're not a good quarterback, you can luck into uh, 250 yards. Hey, I don't know. Maybe you'll throw like a bad screen uh, that DJ Moore has to like go on one knee and then take 75 yards. But like that happens on one play and like this, this can hit so easily. So something I'll be looking into is essentially betting on just like a uh, long touchdown from Justin Fields to DJ Moore. Uh, I don't, I'm not afraid of the, the Packers uh, defense. Uh, they have all the talent in the world. It hasn't mattered uh, so long as their, their defensive coordinator remains. Uh, Joe Barry has, has not done a great job there, I don't think. But uh, 250 yards, which is not a lot. Uh, that's, like fun, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Uh, and there's so much randomness in an NFL game. And this offense could look very different. And I'm the biggest Justin Fields seller. But if you're going to tell me like there's a 3% chance that Justin Fields, you know, hits on a couple big plays and we can cash on that. Like I'm going to take that. They're pricing in a lot of certainty that this is the Justin Fields and the bears of old, but maybe there's, we should have a little less certainty and that's something I'm going to certainly be looking to capitalize on uh, on Sunday. Those are not air yards. That's the key, right? Brad, these are not air yards. All yards matter here. That was a weirdly specific example you gave about DJ Moore catching a bad screen pass. That was really like, I don't know where you're pulling that from. But, uh, yeah, and also just last point, I mean, Jair Alexander is a stud, obviously, but he complains about not trailing number one receivers uh, as much as fans of the Packers complain about him not trailing number one wide receivers. So I'm sure the Bears will just move DJ Moore away from uh, his side, and Eric Stokes is not supposed to play in this game. They're at times number two corner. So, yeah, I, I like the thought there. Yeah, not to mention, like, Donald Mooney, I think, gets slept on. Um, uh, I think as a uh, good second option, um, Khalil Herbert is known to take screens as well. Um, so, uh, you know, lots of, lots of options there. 
Um, I like that one a lot. It's very interesting that you picked the Niners and the Bears. Um, Judah, I feel like that was intentional. Uh, do not uh, do not hold it against you. We'll probably talk about this Packers-Bears um, game. I'm very interested in kind of how we view the, the Packers, not only without Rodgers, obviously, but potentially without the, those receivers um, against uh, against the Bears. So um, those are the, the kind of the prelude to the same game parlay piece. I highly encourage that you go check it out on pff.com. Um, also, if you have questions about it or, you know, you want to discuss with a community of sharp people, uh, go ahead to the PFF Printing Press Discord. Um, we're doing something really cool this year in there, which is we are taking our Guess the Line segment and we are making it into a contest that everyone can participate in. Um, we are going to be debuting it this Sunday. Uh, you will be able to submit your uh, lines for the upcoming week. And then on the show on Sunday night, we will take a look at the results. We'll use those to kind of get a pulse of where uh, the group is. And then uh, if you're very good at it, you will win some cool swag um, and uh, become a much better kind of thinker of the NFL game. Because setting a line for a game, it is actually surprising how many people are out there that know football that can't set a line well. Like it's actually surprising. I talked to a guy that um, has run uh, multiple uh, sports books. And he said his test for any person that they're bringing to their trading desk is he will give them two teams and ask them, what's the line? And, you know, it's as simple as that, but many people fail that. And so we're giving everyone an opportunity to get involved. Uh, all the information can be found uh, in the discord. And um, if you have questions, you can, you can hit us up. All right. It is about lock of the week time. Um, this is how the lock of the week works. We talk about our favorite plays for the upcoming week, we pick the one or ones that we like the best. And uh, we ride with those, usually with a couple of units on the line um, for, the, uh, for the upcoming week. Well, this gives us a way to talk about the different games that we like, um, you know, while picking uh, the, the one that we ultimately like the best. It's a little tongue in cheek because obviously nothing is a lock and that is supposed to be a little bit funny, um, but hopefully there's a lot of value that can be derived just through the conversation. And ultimately, it gives us all something to kind of cheer for. Last year, I should have picked this uh, up better. I don't know, Brad, if you remember. I know it was um, positive last year. I don't remember how positive we ended up at the end of the year. Um, I will have that number at some point here. I'll find it. Brad, do you remember? I'll look it up as well. Yeah, we can look it up. We definitely, you know, out of probably 40 total bets, I'm guessing we were like seven or eight actual bets over 500, maybe a little bit more than that. And from an actual, you know, like units one standpoint, certainly positive. Uh, we'll let you know how, how by how many units that was. And we're going to do a better job, by the way, this year of tracking. Arjun is going to be running a PFF um, forecast bet stamp uh, account so that we can track everything uh, in a little bit more of a robust way. You know, the key thing that we did track, and I'll just remind everyone of this, is my record on the uh, early spread bets on the Sunday night pod is something that we'll have to remind everyone on Sunday because it was dominant. Okay, it was it was very very dominant. I think I was like fifty two and thirty four or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. We were all we were all above five hundred, but you were like off in your own stratosphere by the end of the season for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's the the grind, right? I never take a second off. Um, okay. Uh, it's definitely not going to go the exact opposite this season. <laughs> Let's get started here. We go around the horn. We talk about our favorite ones, and then we ultimately pick one. Um, Brad, I will start with you. What's the first one you'd like for us to consider? 
Yeah, all right. So a quick segue tying SGPs into this. Uh, my first bet. Judah, what are your thoughts on a build around the Saints pass catchers for a potential SGP? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, that like it almost goes without saying. Uh, we've been we've been talking about it for I mean, Rashid Shaheed, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas. It just against the tight ends, it's perfect. Exactly right. All right. So the actual bet is just going to be Saints minus three here. Uh, it is minus 115 on DraftKings. Most books I've checked still have minus 115. Um, the reason why I also mentioned the, the SGP tied to pass catchers. So, you know, big, big reason I like this. You look last year, the Titans were 28th in EPA per drop back allowed. Um, and then one leg of that SGP I did love was Chris Olave's longest reception over 24 and a half yards. The Titans allowed the second most explosive passes in the NFL last year. And they were dead last in EPA per drop back allowed on balls thrown 15 plus yards downfield. Chris Olave was top 15 in receptions on balls thrown 15 plus yards downfield. And Michael Thomas is over under right now is 39 and a half. I know Judah, I think you got a little bit better price there, but still a solid number. Um, but yeah, so all they did for the secondary was add Sean Murphy bunting to a one year, three and a half million dollar deal. Their pass rush gets back Harold Landry. But, you know, first game back from a torn ACL, I don't think is a meaningful difference against a very good offensive line. And then on the flip side, I think the biggest weakness on this Saints roster is their pass rush unit. But I think the Titans have comfortably the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. So I think you can mitigate that to a degree and still get pressure on Ryan Tannehill. Look, you know, is Derek Carr a superstar? No, but you get him replacing Andy Dalton, who was solid last year. You get a healthy Michael Thomas for at least week one. We'll see how far that goes. Um, and then the last piece of the SGP uh, was Jamal Williams under rushing yards because I think they should know not to run against this Titans defense. Uh, I know the number came out pretty high. I think you also like that, Judah. But anyway, uh, long spiel short, Saints minus three. I We talked about this on... Sunday, it is the, um, so we, we ran a test of the PFF forecast set the lines contest. And uh, there were two games, uh, sorry, three games, I should say, that um, really kind of separated themselves in terms of where there was disagreement. Uh, the Titans Saints was one of those three games. Again, the market at, at minus three, the average spread here was minus three and a half. We had an average of 5.3% uh, win probability difference in what people thought the line should be versus what it is. Um, I will say the one thing here that does give me a little pause is just Mike Rabel getting his team to play better than I think we always anticipate they will play. And a little bit of positive regression to the mean for Ryan Tannehill, who was an absolute nightmare last year, but... I think we have been at the forefront of saying, look, he's a little bit better than people are giving him credit for. Um, now, I say all that to say, I think by and large, I am a believer in the Titans being a complete catastrophe this year. So I'm not, you know, kind of buying into to that. But I think that's why the line is at minus three as opposed to anything greater. Um, I, I think many people are kind of baking in hey, Ryan Tannehill is at least as good of a quarterback as Derek Carr. And it's interesting because we actually have them power rated the exact same, both two and a half points better than an average quarterback on a neutral field. Where I agree with you, Brad, is that I think that tier, I was talking to Timo about this, that tier of quarterback to me should be labeled the, we need our supporting cast to be good. And if so, we'll be good. And if not, we'll be bad. <laughs> we talked about this with Derek Carr, right? 
And to me, the big difference here is the Saints have a great supporting cast. The Titans have a terrible one. And so I think you could see Tannehill being terrible and Derek Carr being good. Yeah, I just have to have to jump in here. We've referenced this article multiple times now, uh, but the piece on kind of quarterbacks and quarterback scrambling, one of the main takeaways is like uh, scrambling helps us identify situation agnostic versus situation dependent quarterbacks. And those two guys are like, your like prototypical like them and Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo like this tier of guys who are right. just like circumstance dependent uh and uh as you're saying like the difference between the Saints weapons and the Titans weapons is, is night and day and and maybe like to a little bit of the my, my hesitation is like Tannehill I think is really really going to struggle when he's under pressure and when he has to kind of uh, scramble. I don't see this as the the matchup where that happens. I don't think the the Saints pass rush is going to take advantage of the uh, Titans' weakness on the O line. But that's still uh, for you know all the reasons we've talked about. I, I still like Brad's bet uh, at minus three. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of that. I, I also think the big mismatch here is the the wide receivers. We've talked about Raheed uh, Raheed Shahid, um, Michael Thomas here. I think is a, an opportunity. Um, as well, uh, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to say it again. Rashid Shahid, Rashid Shahid. Okay, I will respect respect the name. Um, and and Olave, I could see a real like um, alt spread Saints. You know, win through the pass. I, I really like that. But I think if you're less aggressive, Olave or Thomas or Shahid um, overs are very compelling. Olave is at just four and a half receptions. My belief is that Chris Olave is going to be the go-to guy in this offense, and it's not even going to be remotely close. Um, and Derek Carr is going to find him kind of uh, all the time. The concern would be that the interior of that offensive line can't hold up and Derek Carr crumples into a complete disaster. But that means I think he'll be throwing quick, throwing to those guys to get open quickly, and, and that's Olave. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the next one um, and go to you, Judah. Yeah, I'm going to go Seahawks minus five and a half. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm also going to add the leg of the Rams to go under 26 and a half points just so we get this from minus 110 to plus 110. I think there's a greater than 95% chance that if the Seahawks win by minus five and a half, that will also mean that the Rams score fewer than 26 points. Uh, I, I really think this this spread upon a further dive should be on the other side of seven. I mean, like mm-hmm. you look at, first off, we've got news that JSN is is likely to play. Uh, the Seahawks, I mean, like account for some home field advantage. I do not think there is a, a three to four point difference between these teams. Uh, the Rams have Aaron Donald and a bunch of like seventh round draft picks. And I like, if you just look at their like PFF grades, you look at any, like this, this defense has the potential to be as bad as a defense we've like never seen before. It's, it's awful. Uh, on offense, they're leading a receiver right now is Tyler Higby. Who's got the uh, highest prop at 46 and a half. You can buy his like season long at 500 like they really have they have no one to throw to they have no one on defense like Matthew Stafford yeah he's like ceiling can be someone of like a top 10 guy but like not in these circumstances uh right we talk again about being situation dependent Stafford is certainly a guy who's situation dependent his situation is awful right now the defensive the offensive line is a complete mess uh he's throwing to Tyler Higby uh the the Seahawks are are healthy with JSN uh I see this as a should be a seven and a half point spread even if geno smith like is 75 percent of what he was last year that the five and a half is just way too short uh like we could be talking about the rams as a three-win team and the, the seahawks as a, 
11 to 12 win team right now they are not being priced as such real quick i, I want to say too oh i was gonna say george like this reminded me the cup the cup thing also reminds me of your tyree kill chiefs point earlier where probably in the past when cup was out and because this spread has not moved since it became official maybe it's because everyone expected it but in the past let's say cup misses okay you had robert woods you had odell beckham jr maybe brandon cooks back in the day there's no one like it's like you said van jefferson tutu atwell puka nakua like yeah anyway (laughs) the tank begins here okay the (laughs) cooper cup is not playing there are two players on this rams team that if you were starting over from scratch you would keep one of them isn't playing and the other one plays defensive tackle so he can't he's not going to be running routes um in this game i go back and forth here's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is it's a divisional game. It's a, there's a lot of pride. I do think in the Rams and the Rams team and Sean McVay, and it's a divisional game, as I just mentioned. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't have the numbers off top of my head. I actually think the Rams covered both games against the Seahawks last year. I believe they won one of them with, was it like John Wolford? I remember this because I believe we bet on the Seahawks. Uh, and so that is like fresh in my memory. Um, so that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is like divisional game, you know, kind of getting out to a big spread, but we have been early on the Seahawks. We were early on them to win the division. I think we, you know, I think we should be early on them as a team that is better than, uh, the market is pricing them at, which is seems to be that, that they're kind of pricing them as sort of a mid tier team as opposed to like, you know, a, a top 10 team. Um, okay. Let me go to, um, my first one, and I'm going to lead off as uh, I think I closed most of the shows last year, and that is with a uh, with a teaser. Um, so, look, we had a, an early teaser that we really really liked. Um, that one kind of went away because it was uh, it, it included the, the Green Bay Packers who opened it. I think it was two two and a half. That's now minus one. Um, but there are still some options out there and I'm going to give you a couple of them. So the first is um, the, the leg that I like the most is the Jets getting out to eight and a half at home against the bills. And here's the reason that I like this so much. It'll come uh, back around to a player that I, uh, whose prop I think should be considered for the lock of the week. That is that I don't think anyone's going to be able to cover Garrett Wilson and the Buffalo bills without Von Miller were a terrible defense last year. And guess who's not playing in this game? Von Miller. Um, eight and a half, too many points for uh, Aaron Rodgers um, and the New York Jets. If you assume that there is a decent level of the Jets getting their you-know-what together, you make the case that the Jets are the better component of players uh, playing at home. Uh, so getting out to eight and a half there. Now, I feel less strongly about the other two legs, but the ones that I would consider are the Pittsburgh Steelers out to eight and a half that total is just 41 and a half. Um, we talked about that game already. Uh, Kittle likely not to play. Um, I think there's a really good case to be made for the Steelers and Kenny Pickett uh, playing at home. Um, Pickett was uh, the highest graded quarterback of the preseason. George Pickens looks awesome uh, getting out to eight and a half. And then the Browns out to eight and a half at home against the Bengals. Um, I think we've talked about the Browns being kind of underrated uh, as a team this year, I'm not eager to bet on uh, Deshaun Watson and, and the Browns, but I think that is one that you that you should consider. So a little bit of a round robin teaser for my first uh, lock of the week submission. Um, 
any thoughts there before we move on to Brad? The the Browns Jets legs, uh, just because of what we talked about top of the show, uh, I think are my two two favorite legs there in the round robin. Okay, uh, Brad, you're up next. All right, so this one, I, there, there are two bets here. I really want to bet uh, something that has not been listed yet, and that is C.J. Stroud's under passing yards. Um, I obviously need to know what the number is to actually bet it, but uh, based off of a couple things here, I think it's going to land around 205, 210 yards. Um, Anthony Richardson dropped at 195 and a half. Uh, he also, Stroud's season long, if you divide it by 17, obviously not a clean way to do it, um, is 211 yards or right in that range. Um but so the reason why I like the one the most of anything, I mean, I have a whole write up coming out tomorrow whenever that line eventually drops, if I still like it. Um, but the big play here that also makes me like the under 44, because I'll pick an actual bet listed right now. Um, the Ravens last year were 29th in pace of play. Yes, part of that was uh, the games without Lamar Jackson. I think they were even slower. Um, and then we don't know what to expect from Bobby Slowick. Uh, the new offensive coordinator for Houston. You love that pun drop right there. I know you did. Uh, but the, the Niners coaching tree, the Shanahan coaching tree, uh, the Niners, Dolphins, and Packers were all in 20th or slower last year as well. So I think this game is going to be extremely slow. I think we're going to see 55 offensive snaps for either team. Um, and I think it's honestly going to be like 31 nothing Ravens, frankly, because Houston is now going to start on, offense, on the offensive line, either a six-round rookie at center or Kendrick Green, who they traded for the Pittsburgh Steelers for last week. Uh, he did not play a snap in 2022. Uh, at right tackle, it's supposed to be George Fant, who they signed three weeks ago off of uh, you know free agency for a minimum contract. And then at left guard, either Michael Dieter, uh, who did not play a snap in 2022, uh, or Josh Jones, who they traded for from Arizona two weeks ago. So that is the offensive line for C.J. Stroud in this game. You have Mike McDonald, who last year was 13th in blitz rate, sixth in simulated pressure rate and CJ Stroud had a 36.8 passing grade when pressured in 2022 in college, of course, uh, which was a hundredth out of 120 FBS quarterbacks with at least 50 pressure dropbacks. So you have an offensive line that I think the three of us could probably help. You have CJ Stroud who struggles against pressure. You have Mike McDonald, who's going to dial some stuff up and make things complicated. And then last but not least, I, we obviously already like loved the under season long on CJ Stroud, but, you know, uh, in week one, so the last uh, – since 2011, there have been 24 quarterbacks to start in week one. They averaged 222 passing yards. You know, you can nitpick it all you want. Just the first-round picks are 17 guys. That climbs to 234. Um, but I hate this setup for, for C.J. Stroud, both from an opposing defense and just a pace standpoint. Um, I, I think he goes way under whatever number drops. But if you don't like that, the under 44. I dig it. That was a, uh, a bounty of data points, by the way, Brad. I respect. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. I thought it's early. It's yeah. early. I, I mean, I have to say, it was a real, uh, you know, credit. I guess uh, thinking that my, you know, five eight one seventy frame can help out on the offensive line. I think, you know, <laughs> maybe not all of us are, are six three, but uh, <laughs> that, that was a real compliment. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Judy, you're up next. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the uh, the Vegas Raiders. I got this uh, minus minus two and a half. Uh, I'd rather that than betting the at plus two hundred. I'd rather that than betting the money line at plus one fifty four. Uh, I really like kind of like two sided handicaps where it's like I'm I'm buying one side relative to the market and uh, selling the other as opposed to just like kind of buying one leg uh, and just being like I like the Ravens for X reason, but I don't like the Texans. Let's say, uh, but like I have no take on the Texans. 
right? That would be like a one-sided handicap. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that if we look at the offense of the of the Raiders, they were probably a top 10 unit by by most efficiency metrics. They were number nine uh, by my numbers. If anything, I think their offense got better. I think the the offensive production was a, a product uh, of Josh McDaniels uh, and, and kind of that scheme. Again, Derek Carr is a guy who is just, as we've talked about, is, is kind of circumstance dependent. Jimmy G is that same sort of quarterback. And if anything, that, that group probably got better. Uh, they've got a, a healthy Hunter Renfro. They've got Jacoby Myers, who has graded, you know, between the 25th and 35th best uh, wide receiver by PFF. He's a legit NFL receiver. Uh, they were they were having Mac Holl- they were trying Mac Collins out there last year. Uh, they're led by by a good run game. They're like team totals 24th uh, among all teams, and I think they're much closer to a top 10 unit. I think there's a lot of credit being given to the Broncos' defense, uh, which was a terrific unit last year, but they lost Elijah Evero, who's uh, kind of the, the next wave of defensive coordinator uh, under this, this Staley Fangio tree. Uh, I think defensive coordinators matter a lot. We've talked about that uh, a bunch on this podcast. There's been some attrition on the defense. Uh, and also, if we, if we kind of break down the component parts uh, to where the Broncos were successful, if we break it down by drive, we see that when teams passed against them, when they had a pass rate over expected above zero on drives, uh, they were about league average. They were dominant in, in run drives. Uh, and conversely, if we look at the Raiders uh, and like when they played, if, if we made like a graph uh, and I, I posted this on, on PFF.com, it should be out shortly, uh, probably by the time this podcast is uh, available. Uh, you kind of see that like I have the Raiders, what they actually did on these run drives versus like a team's rolling average, like the, their opponent's rolling average. And basically they like in 12 of 17 games outperformed the, the matchup, uh, especially in those two Broncos games. So essentially like, the, the benefit of the Broncos defense or the matchup advantage they have is kind of mitigated by the fact that the Raiders have a good run game. Uh, and like, we're looking at more so a league average defense. And this is in addition to the fact that like this Broncos defense should regress. I think there's a lot of credit I've talked a ton about. I don't think that Sean Payton is a, is a scheme fit uh, with Russell Wilson uh, on, on one leg uh, to summarize that it, it's that the, the offense of uh, you know, quick passes and, and accurate throws, that defined kind of Drew Brees' tenure is not something that Russell Wilson has been good with. He's gotten much worse over the years. And ultimately, like, when have we seen a quarterback who has gotten worse in three straight seasons just, like, magically turn around? I think that would be unprecedented in NFL history. The Broncos have a 24-point team total. I do not think the Raiders' defense is particularly good, but that doesn't matter if we've got Russell Wilson of 2022, and I think we're going to see that. I think this is a really, really bad mispricing uh, and one that I think will be corrected by the time these two teams play later in the season. I love this one. Um, the the scheme match or mismatch rather of Peyton and Wilson is buoyed on the other side by I think a perfect matchup for Jimmy G, who gets maligned. He, everyone thinks that he sucks. He is back with John Mc, Josh McDaniel. Um, I think the way that McDaniel will run that offense is perfect for Jimmy G. Um, and we talked not nearly enough. I think about the the Raiders offense and, and the receivers that they have. Devontae Adams, people again have forgotten about because of Chase and Jefferson. Um, Jacoby Myers has been a very good receiver on the opposite side of him um, at a 76 PFF grade, which ranked 27th uh, in the NFL uh, last year. We, we, you know, Darren Waller is gone, but Austin Hooper uh, is here. He's a capable pass catcher. Both tackles have been decent. Um, for, for the uh, for the Raiders, and you have Hunter Renfro in the slot. 
Devontae Adams moves around a lot, so it's not like he's only going to get Patrick Sertan and has a huge mismatch advantage against any other coverage player, uh, whether it be Mathis or Bassey. Both of them are absolutely terrible. You can actually get this uh, information, by the way, on pff.com with our wide receiver cornerback matchup uh, tool, which highlights this advantage for uh, for Adams up and down. So I um, am a huge fan of it. Um, I have a bunch that I like, but let me go to... Uh, actually, before I do, um, I have one more thing to, to tell the, the good people about. Um, and that is our friends at Western and Southern who are allowing you to worry about one less thing this year. Worry about your bets. Worry about your team. Don't worry about your family being safe and protected. Get yourself some high quality term life insurance. Do so quickly and efficiently with Fabric from Gerber Life. I think everyone hears term life insurance and they immediately go, oh, my God, this is going to take me you know, a year to get. I'm going to get totally jobbed. It's not the case at all. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it super easy. It takes 10 minutes to go from starting to getting an affordable quote and have your family's future financially protected. Um, go to M-E-E-T, fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast to get started today. All right. Um, I want to go to Minnesota. I've talked about the Minnesota Vikings a bunch on this podcast. I believe that their offense can be a top three, if not the most efficient offense in the NFL. I think that is in their range of outcomes. Their defense, I don't feel that way about. And I also believe that people are sleeping, if that's possible, on the Tampa Bay Bucks and how bad they could be. I do think they will be very bad. I don't think it's going to be against the Minnesota Vikings in a game where they are a six-point underdog, where Mike Evans, who maybe he gets dinged up at some point this year, maybe Chris Godwin does as well, but by all accounts, they're going to be on the field for this game. Um, and they're going to be placing uh, – and Trey Palmer, by the way, has looked really good, the, the third wide receiver there, because um, I think Gage is out with, with injury, against a secondary that leaves a lot to be desired. You have players, none of which have graded above a 67 um, <laughs> out there uh, in coverage. You have a Caleb Evans who had uh, – checks notes a 47.2 overall grade, 45 point – uh, sorry, 40.5 coverage grade. Um, and Baker Mayfield did not look as bad as people wanted him to in the preseason. I love the over in this game. The total is at 45 and a half. This game is being played indoors. The Vikings are going to run up and down the field against this decrepit uh, and slow Buccaneers defense. And I think the Bucs will actually have some success offensively. And if they're forced to throw the ball, they have the horses to do so with those receivers. So I uh, in alignment with the PFF Green Line model, love over 45 and a half in Bucks Vikings. I love that one. That actually was my last bet. Um, I also was going to mention just they, the Bucks in the preseason. You mentioned Baker looked good. We're first in play action rate. They were 32nd last year. They were doing a lot of different things pre snap motion, play action, you know, all these different things. Uh, and the Vikings defense, yeah, like on paper, might be the worst defense in the NFL. I like Brian Flores, but. Um, yeah, that was my last one. So I obviously love it as well. Uh, Judah, any more from you? Yeah, I'll take one more. This is kind of piggybacking off Brad and I expect a, a very slow game script in Baltimore and Houston. Uh, you can, I, I like the Ravens under uh, 26 and a half. I think it's, it's set at 27. Uh, I see this as a ton of projection of an offense that we really don't know how it's going to look. Uh, it's going to be a completely new scheme. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be scrambling as often, uh, which is going to change the dynamics. We don't really know how that's going to linebackers. I think are going to play the run game very differently. Uh, the Texans are a respectable unit on defense. 
Uh, they, they, if you look at any of their groups, they have NFL caliber talent. Uh, I just see this as a, a sluggish, run-heavy affair. Uh, the Ravens don't necessarily need to, to kind of push the push the gas. I think they're going to settle into the new offense. Uh, I, I see the 43-and-a-half under I like, and I particularly like the Ravens under 27-and-a-half. That's a lot uh, for what we don't know of an elite offense uh, in a matchup that should be a kind of average defense. Uh, I think it's a really good point. Um, I had a couple more that I liked. Now there's no number out on Garrett Wilson uh, receptions. I would guess it will be five and a half. This is the reason to join the discord. Um, that's going to be one that uh, when it, when it gets, when it comes out, I think there's a good chance that, that we're on that one, that the secondary for the bills, everyone just kind of thinks the bills are a really good defense. And I just don't know where that narrative is coming from. <laughs> they got curb stopped. Uh, you know, with a huge advantage of, uh, on the D line in the playoffs against a poor offensive line uh, with the um, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, I have a lot of firepower, but um, so do the uh, so do the Jets. Um, I'll give you one more though. I think I'm not sure I want this to actually be the lock of the week, but it's one that I'll bring up here: Panthers Falcons. Um, the, the Falcons are a three and a half point favorite, and I just don't know why this is cross three. Both these teams stink. Um, the quarterback that is playing for the Panthers actually has a prayer, I think, of being a, a competent starter in the league. And I don't know what evidence we have of that being true for Desmond Ritter and the Falcons. So, um, you know, I, I don't get that. I think there's a huge coaching advantage with Frank Reich versus Arthur Smith uh, in this game. This, to me, should be a two and a half point spread. It's three and a half. Um, and so, you know, we talk about like the, the Circa Millions contest. I think this will be one that I'm keen on, on taking there. Um, those lines are getting released tomorrow at, uh, at 10 AM it appears. Okay. It is time to pick some, uh, some locks of the week. I think we had a really nice bounty here to choose from. Um, so, uh, let's start with you, Brad, any, like, what are the ones that, that um, kind of stuck out to you that, uh, you think we should go with? Yeah, I think Seattle for me at five and a half, uh, Judah's first pick. I, I agree. I think it should be at or over a touchdown. Um, the one thing you mentioned, the Rams last year with covering and all that, Seattle's defense was a different defense. The last, and I know, obviously, you know, defense dictated by opposing quarterbacks, all that good stuff. But they were much better the second half of the season. And I think that's why those games stayed close. Um, and I think they are an improved unit. Um, I, I love Seattle minus five and a half. Yeah. I, think, I think the same way. And almost adopting from what we talked about on Sunday uh, with – with Circa uh, and kind of looking at teams we are above market on, certainly the Seahawks teams we're below market on, I would argue the Rams. And I think it really just adds up to a perfect spot for week one. All right. Um, I also think that's a little, uh, I like the, the counterintuitiveness. So let, let's put that one in there. It's week one. So I'm, I'm inclined. I'm inclined to go with, I don't know, maybe not a six pack, but maybe a, a, a Holy Trinity perhaps of uh of locks here um i'll give you a couple that look i i really think the broncos thing makes too much sense for it to be a complete disaster it, it just there's so many things that are i think working against it so i really like that raiders um that raiders move um and i really also do think we should consider um a, a teaser like there I think that's interesting. Um, and, you know, I, this one was a late one to my to my list. 
but I really did talk myself into Bucks Vikings. I'm curious if you guys feel um, strongly uh, one way or another there. We really didn't dabble in totals much last year, if I remember correctly. Like we barely bet on them, so I'm down to throw some uh, in the mix. I, I do like that one a lot. It was on my list. Also, I mean, Judah taking the Ravens under makes me just love the the under 44 is on DraftKings for the total game. Um, I agree there could be some concern with you know Todd Munkin's new offense, but I would lean towards taking the, the under 44 as opposed to team total. I could be convinced either way, and, and I do like that over. Yeah, I I like both of those. Uh, I also like just don't have as much experience betting totals. Uh, obviously, yeah. I've done it before. It's just not, not a market I'm looking into. But I, I think you make a really good point with, uh, like, I'm very, very bearish on the long-term view of the Bucks. This is kind of the spot in which their offense could, could shine. And, like, the Vikings allowed a ton of plays last year, and I don't really see how that changes. Like, I, I'm all for Brian Flores. I think he's a terrific defensive coordinator. Uh, and I think that, the coordinator matters more than the players on the field, but at a certain point, like talent does matter. Uh, and they, they just don't have it. Uh, this would they got be worse. Yeah. Like, they, they got, got way worse. Last they got way like... worse. Bad defense. And like, we know the Vikings are capable on offense. We know they're going to score points. They're at home. This sets up as the spot where it's like, if you're, if you're kind of making a top down rating and you're like, Oh, the Bucks offense is bad. Like this is how you get a total where it is, as opposed to saying like, okay, but like let's include the matchup that they're currently in. Uh, and and I, I definitely see value on the over. One that we didn't mention, by the way, I just looked this up because I was curious. We didn't talk about this game. Joshua Dobbs passing yardage total is at 210 and a half. Uh, and I'm curious if that's for the season or for this game. Um, is that a question that I have? That is, uh, I mean, I'll just say this too. I hate saying stuff like this because like it's meaningless in a podcast. Like if you want to bet on props and win a lot of money on props with us, please join the Discord. We've yeah. all shared four different lines we like this week that have now moved, moved by hilarious numbers. That is a preposterous number against the commander's defense. Yeah, On I'm a bad field, yeah. like my Lord. What are we doing? <laughs> Two, ten and a half? I mean, I know they're going to the podcast. <laughs> they're, they're tanking. I mean, what are we doing? Should we? Should that be one of the locks? <laughs> I, I don't hate a it. Four pack? I really don't. A four-pack? Four I think you got to go with a four-pack for week one. Yeah, I agree. Why not? Um, okay, so we have uh, to um, kind of do a quick recap here. Um, we've got Seahawks minus five and a half. We have Raiders. Uh, they're at plus three and a half. Is that correct? Yeah. Judah, Judah likes we the have, alts, which I don't know if we do lock of the weeks at two to one odds, but e either way. To make it easy, we try and keep the uh, plus side of it, but we can always count the units. I, I like that. So it's two, True. Uh, two to one. Is it minus two and a half for the yep. Raiders? Um, so we like that. Uh, over 45 and a half in um in bucks and vikings that's four and that's three right. right and dobbs oh and dobbs and dobbs and dobbs but that's uh why did i think that was four seahawks, that I missed? seahawks raiders the two totals or the sorry the total the over and dobbs oh the the teaser that was the one that i didn't mention that i was oh, right, right, thinking right. you want to throw a teaser in there um, I don't know. There's a Watson. I'm not sure I love 
the the Browns Bengals one. I think there's it's a little bit of a high total. Um, I think I'm honestly yep. more inclined to rock with the low total. For those of you that are new, by the way, here's the math behind the Wong teaser. Um, when you can take a line from two and a half out to eight and a half, you cross both three and seven, which are two key numbers. So it gets you the amount of win probability uh, to make up the difference in the odds that you get. Uh, but here's the thing. Those points are, um, are not created equal because in a low scoring game, games are more likely to land on three and seven than they are in high scoring games where games are more likely obviously to be wider spreads. So it's, if you're going to do a long teaser, try and pick low total games. You know, I, I do, I do really like that, um, that uh, Jets and, uh, and, and Steelers one. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I do like it. I just we're not we're not going to shy away from teasers for the next seventeen weeks. So you know if we don't want to force, we don't have to force it. But um, I'll say this: I like it, but I like the straight up bets we have more than I do the teaser. Okay. Um, Judah, you had a, a late entry. No, I was going to say if if we're rolling with the teasers, then we have to include uh, Brass Burgett. Yep. Yep, we get the under. Well, it's both of our unders because you had the Ravens part. part. So, yeah, the, so let's go full six pack. Throw the teaser in and throw the the Ravens Texans under forty four. Rip it. Uh, we came in here with the goal of whittling it down to one. We made it to six. Um, <laughs> this is why. This is why you tune into this podcast. This is. I'm so excited for the NFL to be back. Um, we will post uh, the locks of the week in the Discord. So if you forgot them, um, go join the Discord. I already put the Dobbs. Uh, the Dobbs one in there. Um, so it'll probably have moved by the time you are listening to this podcast. Um, if it didn't, that's on me. I'll have egg on my face. It was great to be back. We appreciate all of you that came in and listened um, to our first 2023 NFL season episode. We'll be back on Sunday night. It's going to be an even uh, more excellent Sunday night show than it has been in the past. The Set the Lines contest will get rolling. We will be live uh, right after Sunday night football. Um, where we see Dak and CD light up the, uh, the, the night sky. Hopefully my fantasy team needs it. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be great. So make sure you tune in. We love you all. Enjoy Chiefs and Lions. Peace out.